Good morning. It's wonderful to be with you folks today. And yeah, I've seen um, some of you many times this week, I feel. So some of you uh, know all about our ministry and all the ins and outs, but some of you, this is the first time you're seeing my face. So uh, I would be amiss if I didn't take time to thank you really for uh, what you have done uh, in keeping us on the field for over 35 years, giving to the Great Commission Fund, that's really our bread and butter, and we couldn't do what we do if you weren't faithful here at home. And so we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your partnership with us in the gospel overseas. Um, in the Christian Missionary Alliance, there's a new theme every year for missions conferences across the United States. And this year, of course, is Awaken to Kingdom Reality. Uh, I think that's an awesome theme, much better than Peculiar People. I'm glad I got this one. Uh, it's a great theme because um, in these times, certainly we as believers in Jesus should not be complacent or sluggish. We need to be awake and fully engaged in what God wants to do in our world. So today, I want to draw our attention to what kingdom living is all about. And that's what I'll entitle my, uh, my message this morning. Living in the kingdom. What is this kingdom that we talk about? Of course, we all know the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But have you ever stopped to think about what that really means? Is it something that we're longing for? in the future, a place that God is preparing for those who remain faithful to the end. Maybe the kingdom is something we hope will be a lot better than what we're experiencing now. This can't possibly be the kingdom that he's talking about because there's so much evil. The word kingdom implies the dominion of a king over his subjects. So I submit to you that the kingdom of God is now where King Jesus reigns over the earth, over all mankind, albeit a very imperfect um, kingdom with flawed subjects like you and me, but where he will reign in complete perfection one day. We are living in God's kingdom now, and he has invited us to join him in reaching lost people of this world before he can come back in all of his fullness and set up his eternal kingdom. I want to join hands with him and help to get this job done, don't you? So my first point is wake up to the reality of the kingdom. We need to be aware of the realities in our world today, not living with our heads buried in the sand. We should be watching the news as awful as it is and engaging with the world around us. We need to have our ears wide open and not put our fingers in our ears uh, trying to block out the horrible things that are happening around us. What are some of the realities uh, of this kingdom that we live in? Well, uh, reality number one is that our world is a mess and getting worse all the time. Duh. I doubt any of us would refute that statement. But why wring our hands and pound our chests and cry, woe is me, 
Have you read the book? Why are we shocked at what's going on in our world today? Jesus promised us many of these things would happen. He tells us in Matthew 24 that there will be false prophets, wars and threats of wars, famines and earthquakes. But those things are just the beginnings of the birth pains. We ain't seen nothing yet. There's more to come, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 8. After those things happen, you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed because you are my followers. Many will turn away from God and betray and hate each other, and sin will be rampant everywhere. Yeah, pretty much, huh? Honestly, watching the news these days is like watching a soap opera or sometimes a a horror film. (laughs) I think to myself, are these people even human beings that are carrying out some of these horrifying acts? Have we fallen so far as human beings that there are absolutely no moral standards anymore? But then I think back to the days of Noah when evidently the earth was so evil and God got fed up and just wiped out the whole world, wiped out everything and everyone and started all over again. Yikes. I guess things must have been pretty bad back in Noah's day too. But Jesus says, in the midst of all of this, the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Did you know that this is the verse that stirred a holy fire and passion in the heart of Albert B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, to begin a movement of people that were so sold out to reaching the world, to reaching the lost, that they counted their own lives as nothing. Dr. Simpson said, Missions is the Lord's own appointed way of hastening his speedy coming. It's a bit sobering to think that the return of King Jesus to this earth depends a lot on us and how willing we are to work with him in bringing people into his kingdom. He said it right there. The whole world must hear the good news before he can come back. I just read a statistic that in the 1040 window alone, that that strip around the globe that contains Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism, in that strip alone there are an estimated 5,574 unreached people groups, which is roughly 83% of the unreached people groups of the world. And by an unreached people group, they usually mean that unless someone comes from the outside to tell them about Jesus, they will never hear. Either because there are so few uh, Christians in those people groups or no Christians at all. And so unless you or I comes from the outside, leaves our home in America and goes to them, they will never, ever hear about Jesus. There's still a lot of work to be done, my friends. We just received an email from some fellow workers in West Africa, and they had decided to go to East Africa on a a little vacation to see some of the animal kingdoms and stuff. And uh, this was interesting what they wrote. Today, we visited Lake Iasi. 
we first went to see a traditional blacksmith and his family, and after that, we visited a herdsman's family. We were allowed to ask questions, and they asked us questions. We asked them what God they believe in and follow. They replied that they really don't follow a God. They sometimes worship their ancestors. Then they asked who we believe in, and we told them we follow Jesus. We asked if they had ever heard of him. They responded that they think they heard his name before, but there's no one to tell us about him. They said, you should come and tell us about him. After some more conversation, we asked our guide for the morning, who was also a Christ follower, if he can come back each week and share a story from God's word with them. He said he could. We planned to get some information into his hands to help him in sharing the gospel orally with this family. Isn't that something? Um, A herdsman's family somewhere on the plains of East Africa saying, we've heard there's a God named Jesus, but we don't know anything about him, and we need someone to come and tell us. They're willing and wanting to hear, but there's no one to go and tell them. Could it possibly be in a congregation the size of of Centerville here that God might be calling someone to go to one of these unreached people groups who otherwise will never hear the name of Jesus? Some young person who still has their whole life ahead of them, or maybe a young couple who's feeling restless and feels like there's so much more that God has for them. Maybe even an older couple who's retired early and still has lots of life and energy left for kingdom work. But hey, if that's too much for you to consider, you're not off the hook. Not for one minute. No way. There are hundreds and thousands of people right here in your backyard who are headed for an eternity without Christ. They're also included in the people who must hear about Jesus before the end of this age can come. The good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Do you know about the amazing man who founded the CMA? His name was Albert B. Simpson, as I said. Listen to what he says. The Christian that is bound by his own horizon, the church that lives simply for itself, is bound to die a spiritual death and sink into stagnancy and corruption. We never can thank God enough for giving us not only a whole gospel to believe, but a whole world to give it to. I don't believe for a minute that this church was planted here in Centerville just to reach this community with the love of Jesus, only to run great programs and have great worship, which you do, by the way. That was, that was amazing worship that we had this morning. Certainly your vision is much bigger than that. God gave us the whole gospel to reach the whole world. I'm sure you've heard um, stories of early missionaries that were sent to the Congo. They actually packed their belongings in wooden coffins. Many of those early missionaries knew that they would not be coming home alive. Many of them gave up their lives for the sake of the gospel in the Congo. They laid down their lives in order to take the gospel to a people who had never heard 
and the result of their deaths has been the birth of a huge church, the largest church that exists in the Alliance today. The church in Congo is way bigger than the church in the United States, but it came at a great cost. Many, many missionaries laid down their lives and were buried in those coffins that they took with them. We had an Iraqi family who um, showed up on our doorstep in Berlin, Germany last year. And their story of searching for the truth can probably be repeated many times over again. Nasser and his family had fled from Iraq, from Baghdad. They were um, in great danger. And they had started to question Islam and wondering if this was really the true way to God, and um, they became very restless. And so they fled to Europe, to Austria is where they landed. And when they got to Austria, they started searching for the truth. And they ended up um, coming in contact with Jehovah's Witness people. And for a year and a half, they were with the Jehovah's Witnesses. And um, after a while, again, they started becoming very... Um, unsettled. And they said, there's something else. We don't think that this is the truth. We don't think this is what we're searching for. And so they looked some more, and they went to other churches. And sadly enough, they went to eight different evangelical churches, and all of them said, go away. You're just here for what you can get out of us. You just want a visa, and uh, you're not welcome here. And so they were very discouraged searching all the time, and they came in contact with a believer over Facebook who lived in Germany. And this believer has contacts with uh, the lighthouse where we serve in Berlin. And so Nasser took his family, four children, and somehow illegally got into Germany and found himself at the lighthouse. And he says, this is the truth that we've been searching for all our lives. We knew something was missing, and this Jesus that you are preaching about here at the Lighthouse is what we've been looking for. Some of his family have come to faith in Christ, some have not, but they're coming every Sunday to our church plant there, and we have great hopes that this family is going to be a solid foundation in our church there in Berlin. But Nasser and his family would never have heard the good news of Jesus if they hadn't fled from their home in Iraq and gone searching all through Europe until they finally found the lighthouse. You know, there are people, lots of Muslims, right here in your neighborhood. I've seen them. Yesterday, well, for the past two days, I've been hanging out at, at Panera um, studying, and I can't believe the Arabs that are coming through there. And yesterday, I saw these two women. Well, I've, I've talked to all of them. They're from Palestine, they're from Lebanon, they're from Jordan. Uh, yesterday, I met two Jordanian women, and I mean, I just wanted to throw my arms around them. I think I shocked them, because when I went up and started talking Arabic to them, they were like, whoa, I guess we better be careful what we say. We didn't think anybody spoke Arabic. But I told them that I loved them, that I was so happy to see somebody from my country, and they were so confused, and they said, you're the first person that's ever seen any worth in us. I was like, really? That's pretty sad. You have a lot of work to do right here in 
Centerville and in your communities here. Um, I, I, I see if you open your eyes and look, you're going to see them all over the place. I can't believe what a wonderful opportunity you have, have here. God is bringing the mission field here to you. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. Just go out and tell those people about Jesus because believe me, they are way more afraid of you than you are of them. And they're just longing for someone to come and say a kind word to them and reach out and love to them. Yes, our world is in a mess and will no doubt get a lot worse before Jesus returns. But the opportunities for us to be used right now, here in this now kingdom, are huge. Reality number two is that Jesus is the only answer to the mess and he chooses us to help fix it. A very real problem in our Christian circles today is that so many people come from backgrounds riddled with broken relationships and dysfunctional situations at home. I often wonder how God can break through all of that and use us as his instruments to bring healing to this hurting world around us. Because our own needs are so great, we hardly notice the needs of the lost people that God has put in our path every single day. And sadly, some of our churches are so wrapped up in their programs and meetings that they also are unaware of the lost and dying all around them. You might be saying to yourself this morning, I'm such a mess, how could God ever use me? You know, it doesn't actually depend a whole lot on you. You would be amazed at what God can do through you if only you are fully surrendered to him and filled with his Holy Spirit. I have a great example of this. We, um, we had a team come to Berlin last year. They were from, uh, I think, Massachusetts, Cape Cod. And um, the pastor brought the message to our Arab church on Sunday afternoon there in Berlin. And our uh, sidekick there was translating for him. And I knew he wasn't very good at English, but he really wanted to translate. And so I said, okay. He totally had it all wrong. I mean, what that guy was saying, our guy was like totally translating incorrectly. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is terrible. I was like going crazy, you know, like, no, no, it's wrong, it's wrong. Can you believe that day three people gave their heart to Christ? And we just laughed. We said, it's just amazing that even with that horrible translation, that the Holy Spirit broke through and spoke to three people, and uh, they gave their hearts to Christ that day. Perhaps more than any other man that I've ever read about or known, the founder of the Alliance, Dr. Simpson, lived with a kingdom mindset. Look at something that he wrote more than 100 years ago. The chief danger of the church today is that it's trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. Our master expects us to accomplish results, even if they bring opposition and conflict. Anything is better than compromise, apathy, and paralysis. God, give to us an intense cry for the old-time power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost. We will never reach our world for Christ until we deal with the things from our past that are weighing us down. And then ask God to fill us with the old-time power of the gospel and the Holy Ghost. 
yes, God needs us to be involved in bringing back the king, but he needs sanctified, Holy Spirit-filled vessels for his use. If the enemy can just get us to be apathetic and better yet paralyzed with fear, he's succeeded in putting us out of business. Certainly, uh, the refugee crisis today is one of the biggest realities we find in our world right now. The movements of people all over the world, from north to south and east to west and every way in between, has caused people to come into contact with the gospel when they never would have if they'd stayed in their country of origin. I forget how many millions and millions of people are on the move being displaced, whether it's because of famine or war or what have you. The Syrian refugees that have found their way to the lighthouse, the ones that we've been working with for the past two years, have been through untold horror and pain in their lives. Many have seen relatives killed right in front of their eyes. Brutal acts of war. Children severely traumatized. And the list goes on and on. God allowed us to be in Berlin to receive them and to put our arms around them and show them the love of Jesus. They most likely would never have experienced that love had they stayed in their remote Syrian villages. I know God puts people in your path every single day. And you are the only ones that can love them with the love of Jesus and tell them that there's a better way, a way that leads to peace and joy and eternal life with God forever. That's good news, and we need to share that with everyone that we meet. So when we wake up to the reality of the kingdom and what God is doing now in his kingdom here on earth, how should we then live? My next point is wake up to the reality of kingdom living. What does kingdom living look like? We certainly know that things don't work in God's kingdom the way we think they should. For instance, turning the other cheek or giving the shirt off your back, or returning kindness when someone does evil against you. Be happy when someone persecutes you for Jesus' sake. Go the second mile. It's kind of an upside-down kingdom by the world's standards. We might even be seen as idiots or weak, spineless people for living like that. Having lived overseas for the past 35 years, I'm certainly not one to explain about American morals or standards or what's acceptable. Um, like I said, the world uh, is a mess and it's getting worse all the time. I went to the doctor's office the other day and <clears throat> when I filled out that paper, they gave me four choices for my gender. Really? They're kidding, right? Things are terribly out of whack in our beautiful America. But we don't need to cower in the shadows or run away from our morally bankrupt society. No, Jesus has called us to be salt and light in this kingdom. That is our mandate as believers living in this godless world. He tells us in Matthew 5, you 
are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a high stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I certainly don't want to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I long to be that light that sits high on the lampstand and gives light to everyone in the house. What does kingdom living look like? Well, it looks like taking up your cross and following Jesus daily. It looks like following the laws written in his book that never change. It doesn't matter what everyone else around us is doing. I will always circle F for my gender because God said that he created male and female, and I'm certainly not male. There aren't any other choices. Sorry, it says so in this book. Kingdom living means I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, a very high price that cost God his only son. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in me. 1 Corinthians 6. Is it not a huge privilege to be considered sons and daughters of the Most High God? We are not our own. We cannot act like we want. We have to act like he wants. If we just follow this book, it's all spelled out pretty clearly. Going back to what Dr. Simpson said, the chief danger of the church today is that we're trying to get on the same side as the world instead of turning the world upside down. We can't have it both ways. I think it all comes down to the question of, is he worthy? Is Jesus worthy of our sacrifice? Is he worthy to receive our very best, our unconditional allegiance to the laws that he has laid down. Am I going to regret this kingdom living someday? Will it really be worth it to give up all the worldly pleasures that I enjoy and follow Jesus with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul? Back a few years ago, um, I had to leave my children at boarding school. And one day, I had left my daughter. She was in seventh grade, about 13 years old. And I was in my rental car, and I was speeding down the road because I needed to get to the airport to get a flight back home. And foolishly, I forgot to give her something. I had, I had succeeded in leaving her without totally losing it and blubbering and crying in front of all her friends. And I was like so relieved, but then I forgot to give her something important, so I had to go back to the school, and by the time I got back there, I found her just sobbing and crying in her teacher's arms. Well, that totally set me off, and so I was just crying and crying. I was so upset to leave her in that shape, but I had to get to the airport, jumped in the car, took off again, and I was crying so hard that I literally could not see the road. I had to pull over to the side of the road and just get, get a grip. 
And as I was sobbing and, and beating on the steering wheel and, and just yelling at God and saying, this is not fair, this is not worth it, I'm giving up my children, everything that I have, my heart, soul, and body, my children, and no one is coming to Christ, no one is, even wants to hear what I have to say about Jesus, and this is not worth it. And I was just really letting him have it. He can take it, you know, he's, he's big enough. And all of a sudden, one of the few times in my life that I believe I heard an audible voice, and I turned around in the back seat of the car, and as if I heard Jesus' voice saying, but I'm worthy, I'm worth it. You're not doing this for anyone else, you're doing this for me, and I'm worth it. And I just kind of sat up, dried my tears, and went on the way to to the airport. He is so worthy of our total allegiance to him. Even if we tell a hundred people about Jesus and no one wants to hear our message, no one wants to give their life to him, the name of Jesus is still worthy of being lifted high. Probably the most poignant example that I've ever heard concerning the worthiness of Jesus was from a biography of a man named Samuel Zwamer, who was the great apostle to Islam. My husband was born the year that he died in 1952. And uh, back in seminary, when I first met Daryl, he used to always sign his papers, apostle to Islam, which was interesting because Eventually, he did become an apostle to Islam. Samuel Zwamer and his wife, Amy, had two daughters born to them. Both of their daughters became very, very ill with dysentery, and they eventually died. They were out there in the Arabian desert, and they dug two graves out there in the sand, and buried both of their daughters there. And on the tombstones, Amy, the wife, the mother of these two little girls, wrote, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches. I can never say those words without getting choked up. Who could write that on the tombstone of their two precious daughters? An incredible agony and sacrifice that must have been for that young couple. But still, all they could say was Jesus is worthy. It makes the rest of us look like a bunch of wimps, that's all I can say. Kingdom living looks nothing like worldly living. God is calling all of us to kingdom living, to the realities of this now kingdom, where God is still reigning, he's still in control, all the while with our eyes on the kingdom that is soon to come, in all of its glory, after every nation on earth has had at least one chance to hear the good news of Jesus. God help us all to be involved in bringing back King Jesus 
by telling everyone we meet about him. Whether it's here in Ohio, USA, or in some distant corner of the globe where people have never had even one chance to hear his name and believe in him, I pray that God would put the fire of the Holy Ghost into our bones and that we will burn with a passion to spread his good news to every nation before his final kingdom is established. God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sometimes feel very unworthy of being your servants. We're such flawed individuals with such such a mess sometimes in our lives, and we wonder how on earth you can use us. But you choose to use these weak vessels to bring your amazing, amazing good news to a lost and hurting world all around us. And I pray, Father in heaven, that you would empower this congregation here in Centerville, Ohio, to be filled to overflowing with your Holy Spirit and to go out and reach the world for Christ, reach the nations that are coming from all over the world, coming right here to Ohio. What an incredible opportunity. I pray that you would empower this congregation to reach out beyond these walls and hasten the return of King Jesus to this earth by telling every nation that he is king, that he will reign eternal. And we look forward to that day, Jesus, and we spend eternity with you. I ask your blessing, your rich blessing on these people today. In Jesus' name, amen.